Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I am Mike Leon. And fresh from making sure folks can't find my gold bars, I'm Nick Saveri. Well, I was going to say, on the program today, as Nick just said, can anyone loan Bob Menendez $500,000? If anybody happens to have it sitting around, please loan it to your local senator. Nick and I with the story of a sitting member of the U.S. Senate charged by the Department of Justice with corruption and bribery for the second time more on that in just a bit plus later on the program co-host of the number one cable news program the five over on fox news our friend jessica tarlov she's going to join us to discuss the senator menendez indictment the government shutdown that's looming the impeachment inquiry into president biden plus the biggest story of them all nick travis kelsey and taylor swift more on that coming up in our next segment uh some housekeeping a new episode of the Educate US podcast is out there right now. You can go listen to it on leonmedianetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your pods. Two-part series into district leaders, as you guys do a great job, by the way, as the Education for Change public school officials, Dr. Brandy Stewart, Jasmine Tao, Naomi Pearl, they join you guys to discuss their roles and experiences in the ed space, misconceptions surrounding district leaders, how to deal with teacher shortage, excuse me, that's happening right now in the industry, the future of education and more. Go listen to new episodes of the Educate US podcast over on LeonMediaNetwork.com or like I said, wherever you get your pods, go listen to it. And also a new episode of Back Your Play with Q is out there now as Q welcomes in former Penn State and Cincinnati Bengal linebacker Brandon Bell to break down all the latest news and notes from week three in the National Football League. A lot of highs and lows. Nick and I know about the lows as our Raiders lost on Sunday night. 
Go check out new episodes of Back Your Play with Q over on LeonMediaNetwork.com or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Rich's YouTube channel, Rich Q on Q. A lot of great stuff on there. He had Brandon Jacobs on recently, the former Giants running back, and some wild takes on what is happening over at Michigan State University with head coach Mel Tucker, soon to be fired. If you want to listen to something that is wild, uh, go listen to two-time Super Bowl running back champion with the New York Giants, uh, Brandon Jacobs, as he's joined Q. Great stuff always by Q over there. Go subscribe to that podcast. Now I say hello to somebody who's not a conspiracy theorist, uh, my partner in crime, Nick Saveri. How you doing, buddy? I've been away for a couple of days now traveling in North Carolina. We're going to get to that in just a second because it funnels into the Senator Menendez story. But uh, how you been? How's everything over your way? We're good. You know, as we're recording as we're you know, doing a portion of this show for recording, you know, it's National Daughters Day. So it's been great on social media seeing folks, you know, displaying their young ladies. You know, obviously Mike's got a pair of beautiful, brilliant young girls, as do I. Uh, Jessica, who comes on shortly, also has a little one as well. Um, so it's been cool to just see, you know, there are times in social media, I think positively brings us together. And this seems to be one of those moments. Uh, the other one, of course, being what we saw at K- and Kansas City yesterday, you know, with the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey thing. Obviously, you know, great for the story of that. Obviously, it's the Chiefs can't stand the Chiefs, not just for football, but like, what are we doing? Still naming a team after, you know, indigenous people not actually running it by them, unlike, you know, Florida State and Seminole Nation. But uh, and, you know, still doing the tomahawk chop in 2023. But be that as it may. I'm excited for them, and we'll see whatever that story matriculates to. Um, but otherwise, good though. Um, yeah, the the Raiders is what it is. Um, but yeah, up and down with the bets this week, man. I oh, you, you need you need to screw it up. You need to go on yeah. on Q's sports podcast and talk about some of your your bad gambling beats. We're gonna try to figure. <laughs> <laughs> how how we do some crossover promotion there because the Cowboys were favored by 12 and a half as of Wednesday. Yeah, well, I took them on a money line. They just had to win. They Nick, just had to win, Mike. Nick, our listeners may not know what a money line bet means. They may Folks, not even know. The money line Dallas simply Cowboys. means that. And first off, for those who are confused about betting terminology, way back when in the annals of this show, we had a great conversation with someone about sports gambling, you should go check that out. But no, simply the money line bet means you are just simply betting for the team to win, period, end of sentence. The odds tend to be not as great as opposed to betting against the spread or with the spread anyway. But yes, I agree with you. Getting on your show would be more ideal. But in that being said, though, great to watch football. It was a rainy day here. It's been rainy all over the country. And I was just fortunate enough to just sit by you know, see some of these great games. Not so great, obviously, if you're a fan of Rutgers. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm sitting with that Mel Tucker thing. And I heard that clip today and great for Rich for that, for, you know, like 150,000 views. Like people are really paying attention to it. And that's so awesome. But folks, in this day and age, to put out the kind of viewpoint that, you know, Brandon Jacobs put out there, like it's, it's a strong stand to take, you know, and I'm not saying whether I agree with it or not, but, um, and I would advise anyone go read the stories, what's been coming out. There's been some really solid reporting about what had happened at um, Michigan State, though. But yeah, a lot, lot there. But yeah, but good though, man. How are you, Mike? I'm good. Uh, just came back from a trip from Pinehurst, North Carolina. Let me get real quick for people that don't know anything about Mel Tucker or who that is. Check out, type in your Google search bar, Michigan State coach Mel Tucker. 
because he has recently is not resigned. Uh, he, a couple years ago, brought in somebody to talk to the team, Brenda Tracy, who is a sexual assault uh, survivor and advocate for, you know, awareness around sexual assault. Well, apparently they had an inappropriate relationship that matriculated over a couple of years. And it subsequently led to some wild stories that she has told the university that he did inappropriately to her. Uh, he says it was consensual. They say, if she says it wasn't, um, it has led to potentially him being fired. The school owes him probably around 60 to $70 million. And so Brandon Jacobs, in the clip that you can go check out over on leonmedianetwork.com uh, and, and type in the, or click on the back your play tab, he says that the school's setting him up because they don't want to pay this tab. Wild stuff, the way he says it and gets into it, it is crazy. But you know what? I got to be honest. It may not be far-fetched only because of how much money. I'm not, I'm not believing it. I'm just saying it may be far-fetched because of how much the school's paying. But you can't make this stuff up that this school brought in somebody to talk about sexual misconduct and awareness. And here's the coach being accused of it. You can't. Some of this stuff writes itself. Speaking of which, the Hollywood writer strike is over as we're recording this. So there's been an agreement reached on that. Um, I wanted to funnel into our first segment about Senator Bob Menendez by talking about my trip in Pinehurst, North Carolina, because I was hanging out with a lot of my high school friends. And, you know, look, I've said this a bunch on the show. You're allowed to be conservative, liberal, progressive, libertarian, uh, moderate, whatever you want to be. That does not bother me. Talking about policy, how things impact somebody, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't bother me at all either. I would like to drill into more things that will affect millions of people or people like you and I, Nick, or people that are listening to this show, right? Um, the reason why the conversation funnels perfectly into Senator Menendez is we started getting into a conversation around money in politics, specifically billionaires like George Soros and billionaires like a Rupert Murdoch, Sandy Alderson, uh, the Koch brothers, who have all donated money, whether it be political, political action committees or whether it be through media buys, whatever it is, to try to influence elections or influence people's opinions and what it is they're going to end up voting for, right? Well, here we were having that conversation. And here we have on the eve of us playing golf, a story breaks about a senator from the state that Nick and I are both from and call home, New Jersey, and Senator Bob Menendez being charged by the Southern District of New York for bribery, committing bribery and accepting thousands of dollars in payments and gold bars uh, and maybe even helping the Egyptian government. Take a listen to how this all played out as the story broke last week over on MSNBC. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez and his wife indicted by a federal grand jury. The senator is accused of using his office to help several businessmen from New Jersey, as well as the Egyptian government, in exchange for receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts, including cash, a luxury vehicle, even gold bars. So in June of 2022, federal agents searched Menendez's New Jersey home. They found fruits of the pair's corrupt bribery agreement with three businessmen, excuse me. This is all according to uh, what the press conference by the Southern District of New York, and we're going to play a little bit of the sound from the, the lead uh, U.S. attorney there that brought the charges and gave the press conference. Investigators found um, $480,000 in cash, some stuffed in envelopes, hidden in clothing, $70,000 in Nadine Menendez's safety deposit box, 
Again, that is the wife of Senator Bob Menendez. They found $100,000 worth of gold bars provided by Hannah or Diabs or folks, I guess, that are part of this, the three businessmen that are, are mentioned in the indictment. And in exchange, Menendez allegedly gave sensitive U.S. government information that, in using quotation marks here, that secretly aided the government of Egypt and improperly advised and pressured a U.S. agricultural official to protect an exclusive contract for HANA to be the exclusive purveyor of halal meat to Egypt. And now I'm starving for my cart over on 49th and 6th Ave. Um, so I had to make a joke there, sorry, because <laughs> I literally was just in New York a few weeks ago. Now, I want to play in a serious note from the U.S. Uh, attorney from the Southern District of New York of what these charges are against Senator Menendez. Take a listen to this. The senator and his wife accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars of bribes in exchange for Senator Menendez using his power and influence to protect and to enrich those businessmen. So that was Southern District Attorney there, like I mentioned, Damian Williams, uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Now, I mentioned in the opening that this is not the first time that this senator has gotten charged with bribery charges before, right? Back in 2017, going into 2018, Senator Menendez was charged in another uh, alleged bribery scheme in which he allegedly accepted gifts from a Florida eye doctor named Solomon Melhen, who was a close ally of the senator, again, in exchange for using his power of his Senate office to benefit the doctor's financial and personal interest. He pled not guilty to the charges, and there was a mistrial that happened in November of 2017. Um, and, and so, of course, he went on a rampage saying, you know, like to those of you who were digging my political grave, you could jump into my seat. I know who you are and I won't forget you now. Now, listen, a mistrial doesn't mean that they can't bring your charges again. Um, but just an FYI there, uh, Senator Menendez. But the fact that we have a U.S. senator that has been in office for decades now um, charged twice with using his office to secure bribery and paper trail of payments, especially what the, the Department of Justice found here in this indictment, $408,000 in cash, like I mentioned, $100,000 worth of gold bars, is alarming, and it should be covered by every single network for the next weeks upon weeks. And I say all this as somebody who, uh, over my right shoulder or left shoulder, excuse me, for those of you watching us on YouTube, know that I have a book up here by Alicia Menendez, who is the daughter of Senator Bob Menendez and who happens to be a mutual friend of, of Nick and I's with, with somebody else that you guys have heard on the program, guys and gals out there have heard on this program. And so I happen to know Alicia and Alicia has a popular show on MSNBC called American Voices Saturday and Sundays between 6 to 8 p.m. And she was not on air this past weekend when the charges broke. And to me, that is wrong. That is incredibly wrong. And this is part of the reason why there is fodder by people on the right that say MSNBC is propaganda, not because of what they're saying in their primetime program or things like that, but actions like this. You know, we don't want to sell access journalism. I get that. Like when Chris Cuomo on CNN would have his gut, you know, his governor, who's his brother at the time, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York during COVID, always on for these interviews, right? They didn't have to pay to get that access. Well, here we have actual charges being brought against a senator 
And we're going to take his daughter off the air who happens to have a platform, whether or not she pushes the needle in either direction in terms of public opinion, uh, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from what is happening. And here is somebody who happens to have a show on the weekend and we take her off the air. I think that's incredibly wrong. I'll let you speak more on that, Nick, as well. But first, what do you make of right now? You and I have been watching the news over the last couple of days, slowly trickling in about this. Some coverage here and there. Then we cut to something else with the government shutdown that's looming, the impeachment inquiry. You know, I put on MSNBC today in their primetime programming. Jen Psaki's talking about Trump and the United Auto Workers strike because the president's going to be going there on Wednesday to give a speech. And I'm like, where is the coverage of a sitting member of the U.S. Senate two times? being charged with bribery. You know, I had a lawyer friend of mine who listens to this program and he'll laugh at this. He said to me about a former WFAN radio host back in New York who got charged by the FBI. The FBI doesn't just show up at your door, man. Charges just don't spin out of the air. They don't just show up out of nowhere. You had to have done something, which is why it's so comical about former President Trump saying, if they could do this to you, they could do this to anybody. No, they do it to people who break the law. Senator Bob Menendez has shown a pattern of breaking the law. And this is the second time the governor, the government of the United States is bringing charges against this man. This should be on the front pages, every single place and in the A block on repeat across networks. It is wild to me that it is not. It speaks to the hypocrisy of how this stuff is playing out. What says my co-host here about now that we've talked about it, and we're going to talk about it in the next segment, too, with Jessica, but uh, that we I give you all the summation here. You heard from Damian Williams in the Southern District of New York. You heard how, by the way, that clip was from MSNBC that I played when the news broke. And that was Anna Cabrera in the morning program. Uh, what do you make of the charges second time with Senator Menendez, the Dems that are actually calling for him to resign right now, like Governor Phil Murphy, Sherrod Brown, a senator from Ohio? Like, what do you make of it? all? Yeah, and actually, you know, our current one of our current senators here you know john fetterman was the first senator to come forward and, and ask senator menendez to step down um you know it's a personal thing for me because obviously being a resident of the state of new jersey and i've mostly lived my lived in the state of new jersey it, it's embarrassing you know i i did laugh a little bit when i first heard this because you know obviously there are some places in this country where like florida comes to mind often we joke about miami miami corruption maybe because I listen to a lot of you know, Miami-based radio programming. But New Jersey every now and then comes in and reclaims its block. And this is one of those times. And the story of, of the senator has been around for a while. I mean, Mike, you broke it down beautifully a moment ago. You know, there has been a paper trail of this person who has really just operated with that with impunity, despite having this hang against him. And what just broke the other day seems to be seems to be finally what's about to be his undoing. Rightfully so. Um, you know, as as Mike was talking about this, you know, I, I did a quick search of, you know, how do we better understand, like, what's the landscape of criminal activity or investigations against members of Congress? And folks, I would direct you all to a fantastic website. Um gov tracks.us 
right? Government Tracks is a website that breaks down, you know, really just basic information about, you know, sitting members of Congress. And if you simply go to this website, govtracks.us slash misconduct, it will take you to a running record of acts of misconduct against members of Congress. And this happens to be where if you go there, you will see what we know about George Santos. It will tell us about what happened, what's been going on with Mark Meadows. And then, you, of course, you get to this section on Robert, um, on Senator Melendez. Melendez or Menendez? Why am I getting it's Menendez? Menendez, Menendez, Menendez. Menendez. Okay, so, but it's stunning though, and I would recommend anyone going to the website. But Mike, as you were talking about it, you know, quickly, I was just listing just from recent memory what we know has been going on, you know, in our government. We have a former we have a former U.S. president who's been indicted four times. We have a current senator. And Robert Menendez with going on with what he has happening. We have a sitting member of the Supreme Court that more and more stories come in every day of receiving lavish gifts um, from one Harlan Crow. Then we have someone like George Santos, who has now been revealed to be a flat out liar. It's stunning to me that we have some of the most despicable people making the most critical decisions in our country. Um, I don't know at what point we've gotten to a place where this level of power can produce this level of corruption. I mentioned about the amount government about gov tracks. And one of the things that they have on the website is a really great graphic about the different types of misconduct that we see against members of Congress. And really, when you look at it, there's been a, a massive uptick since the 1970s of these different types of examples of misconduct. Now, funny enough, I did look up the 1790s and I was curious, like, well, what kind of misconduct would appear there? And there was very little numbers. Bear in mind, of course, that, you know, when you think about people who own slavery, I just found this funny. I'll share this with you all. You know, currently in the history of the United States government, there's been about 11,000 people who've served in Congress. So 11,000 people, 1,700 of which, at some point in their lives, owned slaves. That's 15% of our elected officials owned human beings. Fast forward to now, where we've got people hiding gold bars, we've got people hiding government documents. So the larger thing that comes to me, well, there's two things here, the media coverage I'll get to in a second. But the first thing that stands to me is, like, where did we go wrong? How do we have people that I don't think Someone like Robert Senator, like Robert Menendez was, you know, came out the box as a criminal, but somehow in this role as being a member of the United States Congress, somehow emboldened him to take these to just take bribes and 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 think nothing of it. And we're seeing it. We're seeing this person who's being who's been asked, step down. You're done. You're done, Zo. Get out of here. And he's like fighting this. It's amazing to me. Um, to the question about coverage. So on Friday night, story breaks, story broke in the afternoon, Friday. I'm, I'm watching MSNBC. I'm not going to name the host. I don't want to get into a back and forth about this on Twitter, but the story that this person ran with what they were talking about was book bannings. Now, if you find folks and many of you do this, listen to the other show I appear on. Not appear, and I'm a co-host. What am I talking about? 
on Educate US. We talked about book bannings. We've talked about it a lot. It's a recurring situation. We see it in many school districts. We're seeing it in the attitudes of parents. But if I asked you today for on Friday, okay, the 22nd of September, 2023, what should we be spending the majority of our programming talking about? Something that's been ongoing or a member of the United States Congress indicted for bribery, who has been found to have been discovered with gold bars in their home and to the tune of $480,000. Folks, we all have a little bit of petty cash in the house. I do. My, now, Mike doesn't really carry cash anymore, but Mike's got some, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of ducats stowed away, you know, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Right. My, I go visit my parents sometimes. My dad's got, you know, a little bit of cash. Um, it's like, oh, you never know, right? No one sits on $480,000 of just straight cash, homie. You know what I mean? So there's just all kinds of insanity going on. However, what is the, t- the topic on the show was about book banning. The person even had on a comedian trying to make light of this. And I'm just sick, shaking my head. And Mike has talked about this ad nauseum about knowing your sources, about paying attention to really what you're being told, like what's being informed here. And I just sat there and just, I, I first, I'm just taking you folks through my process. At first, I was grateful. I was grateful for this show because in this time that Mike and I spend together throughout the week, I joke about this with my friends all the time. My wife says this to me all the time. The Second person most I text is Mike, is my co-host on the show, other than my wife. I'm sitting there horrified because I'm thinking I'm blessed to be on a show where things like this come up and we rightfully say, hey, we got to talk about this. I'm hearing about it. Mike gets texts all over. We know we need to dive into this. Regardless of party affiliation, folks, if you've not paid attention enough to this show, you know I'm the left-leaning member right? Mike is the more centrist or whatever classification. He's, he's just not as left as me. It's obvious. But we both agree on what's newsworthy. And a clearly member of Congress indicted for bribery is. But instead, it's book bannings. And it's about conservatives. It's about, you know, the machinations of the right. Folks, that was a Democrat who was, who was being foul in these streets. And we need to be honest with ourselves about that. I'll go one step further. I have not heard. Mike, has, I don't, and I'm just asking this because I'm ignorant on this. Have you heard the president make a comment yet? No, I, I, I have not. And, and let, me, let me chime in there, though, because I say this all the time, man. It's not an R&D thing, man. It's a right and wrong thing. Like, they, I, I read a piece on The Hill. Um, Al, Al Weaver, I believe, is, is the guy's name who wrote the piece. And you can go check it out on thehill.com or, or download their app. And in the piece, he interviewed um, Jim McQueen, who used to be a chief of staff for the former senator who had the seat before Menendez had it. And he said, I want to read you a quote from this article because it's something that resonated with me right away. You can appeal to a jury in a court of law. But when you appeal to voters in the court of public opinion, the most damning evidence of this indictment is the gold bars. I don't know where you go from here. 
listen, folks, like Nick said, and I watched Casino the other night, right? Nicky Santoro's got, you know, money stored underneath the, the closet door. That's like mobster movie stuff. $480,000 in the house. Tony Soprano and Carmela have that somewhere in the house. That's that's a lot of money. But the gold bars, like that changes everything. And that just, though, that is hard concrete stuff. Like to have gold bars, nobody just has gold bars sitting around. What is this, the Italian job with... Mark Wahlberg and them, like, how many more movie and, and TV show references can I make? But, like, before you jump in, like, it's just, this should be, if I still worked in news for a network right now, this should be front and center. The first story that's on the listicle for articles, this should be the first story in the A block, and we're coming back with an alert, and we're doing legal panels and legal experts. Now, if you want to argue, if you're a senior producer, an executive producer out there, and you want to argue, yeah, he's a senator, New Jersey, uh, he may not, you know, run again, you know, because he's already, he's already beat one bribery charge before, now a second one, yeah, you maybe he will resign, the seat will be up for play. Senators are not as popular as like the President of the United States being in that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's only about like, what, 600 of these jobs that are really important between the U.S. House of Representatives, the United States Senate, the President of the United States, maybe members of his cabinet. One of them gets indicted with like $500,000 worth of cash and like $70,000 worth of gold bars. And in the indictment, it says it's bribery and, a, and, and you know, uh, leaning towards a government, a foreign government to give them a contract. That stuff should be running front and center in the A block as we like to say in TV speak, and it should be on repeat. I'm sorry, this is not an R&D thing. Networks out there, you have a job to do, and it's, it's an incredible disservice if you're going to loop the president on repeat on his indictments. And I get it. It's unprecedented. It's never happened before. This is a U.S. Senate, a U.S. Senate member that's been indicted twice, twice in the last eight years for the same crime of bribery. Two different ways, one with a Florida doctor and now with three New Jersey businessmen trying to sell access and give government contracts to the government of Egypt. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? That story should be front and center. Yes, Nick, uh, one more point for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we think about first off, up until recently, I mean, he's had to sit, he's had to leave this post, folks. I mean, to to Mike's point about, you know, those who may argue that, um, you know, it's a senator, what to make of it. Like, what's the big deal? You have someone who is the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee who has now been indicted for taking bribes from a foreign country. Make of that what you will. But that seems to me about access. And Mike used an important term earlier, mob mobsters gangsters i hear that a lot when we talk about the former president i just heard it the i think it was an editorial in the washington post recently we make this try we try to make this argument that tough that trump is some tough guy and he leans on his people a certain way like a mob boss and whatever and maybe that's all true but what do you say about someone sitting on a pile of money taking bribes from other countries it's the same thing and we do need to be consistent about that because otherwise, it is totally fair to look at the network and say, propaganda. Like, let's, let's just be consistent is all, is all I'm saying. 
Yeah. Very well said. Listen, uh, interest of fairness to Senator Menendez. He said this in a statement. For 30 years, I've withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies. And because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba, these were monies drawn from my personal savings account based on the income I have lawfully derived. Over those 30 years, I look forward to addressing other issues at trial. Funny enough, uh, in the next episode, we, as always, Nick, as always, we have a legal analyst coming on, a former U.S. attorney who worked once upon a time for the office that's actually charging Senator Menendez. So we'll get a breakdown of those charges. We'll get into the Hunter Biden stuff. We'll get into the latest and former President Trump stuff in our next episode. But when we come back after the break, the fantastic Jessica Tarlov, co-host of Fox News is the five, the most watched show on cable news right now. The co-host of that show joins us when we come back after the break. 
No, that's exactly right. You can take the quiz over at freshroastedcoffee.com. And in the show notes page right now of this episode, hit the link for a discount or enter in the promo code after you've taken the quiz, after you've selected the coffee you're going to order, enter in the promo code. Can we please get 20 for 20% off your first purchase? I'm telling you, this coffee is delicious. Go to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, here to help us break down the biggest story out there, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's relationship. Yeah. That's a, I'm sorry, that's a different guest that we have coming out for that. Um, oh. Here to help us break down everything happening in Washington, D.C. I could think of nobody better. Co-host over at Fox News is The Five and a contributor for the network, our friend Jessica Tarlov. Jessica, Mike and Nick, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Hi, it's so nice to be here with you guys. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's start with the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift news. Uh, what do you think of it? <laughs> I'm pretty excited. And I also like how it's permeated politics now. Like you see right wing accounts that are like, this dude is out there drinking Bud Light, getting his COVID vaccine and hanging out with Taylor Swift. And you're like, that actually makes him an icon at this point. I mean, he, he risks being the butt of the next album, right? When it goes uh, oh. upside down and she writes about it. But I love it. And as, so I got married and pregnant and all the and all the things like later in my 30s and there's all of this coverage about what a girl dating in her 30s is doing because people are like oh taylor's already with his mom and someone was like that's 33 year old woman energy like you go on two dates and you're like let me hang out with the mom I, i'm getting in there that's, uh, that's really that. <laughs> that's really funny and by the way I have no segue or transition to ask you, <laughs> Senator Bob Menendez, getting indicted by the SDNY. But this is why we have you on the show, because you are perfect at uh, crossover topics. And a lot of the stuff you guys talk about on The Five would be yeah. something in this realm. Um, so let's get into uh, what's your bread and butter and what we talk about in this show. We just talked in the first segment before we get into potential government shutdown, the upcoming uh, Fox News business debates that are happening with the GOP yeah. field. I want to get into Senator Bob Menendez. And the charges from the Southern District of New York, you know, he was charged with one count, conspiracy to commit bribery, uh, com a conspiracy to commit honor services fraud. Like, what do you what do you make of not only the charges, but now we've seen across the Sunday shows. Uh, I saw Dick Durbin on CNN. They've asked him to step down from his committees and they've taken away yeah. his committee assignments, but they're not calling for him to resign yet. Everyone's kind of in this wait and see approach. And Speaker McCarthy kind of did the same thing with the George Santos charges. What do you make of it all, Jess? Well, I'm loath to compare anyone to George Santos because that is, you know, George Santos is new. Like, that's the nicest thing I can say about him, right? Bob Menendez has decades of experience and service and part of the Democratic Party. Um, I do think that all the chips are about to fall, though. So John Fetterman is the only sitting Democratic senator thus far that has called for him to resign. There are a number of Congress people, though, and powerful ones, including Adam Schiff, um, Elisa Slotkin, um, Katie Porter, and Governor Murphy, his home state governor, has done it. And Andy Kim is already launching his bid to run against him in 2024, which I think Andy Kim wanted to do anyway. And so it was just exciting that Menendez had gold bars in his underpants or whatever, and he got the opportunity to do that. Um, I think that this is a wildly serious case, um, and we are kind of primed for seeing things like this, honestly, from watching the Trump indictments, not the Stormy Daniels one, but once we got into the Mar-a-Lago documents, 
uh, the January 6th stuff and you started to see the elements, you you know how serious these people are and that they don't come out and do something like that unless they kind of have someone dead to rights. And Menendez being defiant about it is almost surprising to me. I could understand saying, I'm going to fight this. This is wrong, et cetera. But I need to step away because this is a complete distraction. You're heading into an election year with a vulnerable president, one who I think has accomplished beyond expectations and even the most left-wing members of the media and of the party have admitted as such, like the AOCs and the Mehdi Hassans of the world, right, have said this guy really did surprise us. But it's going to be a close election no matter what. And you want this as a sideshow to what's going on that you are alleged to have sold state secrets to the Egyptians and are skimming off the top to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, it feels really wrong for him to carry on. And I imagine there will be a moment this week um, where it goes beyond Fetterman. I think, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like Senator Gillibrand, first one out there with Al Franken, right? Al Franken's got to go and then suddenly 25 senators doing it. You know, where is she on something like this? If you were really upset about a photo where someone's not even actually touching someone's boobs, um, seems like this is a reason that he shouldn't be able uh, to serve at this particular moment. Jessica, you, you use the V word for, you know, the sitting oh. president. Oh, vulnerable. I was like, which V-words did I use? Okay, yeah, I did. That's great. Okay, so as you just put that out there, I'm just going to just jump off that because, you know, we saw recent polling, you know, the ABC News Washington Post poll about, you know, 44 American, 44% of Americans, you know, feel the economy has got, they're worse off financially, despite, you know, economist Paul Krugman mentioning that, well, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, the economy's in better shape. But that all being said, you know, disapproval ratings are going up in general, at least from polling data, you know, Joe Biden isn't isn't looking too well. And then the most damning may have been that the fit for office data that came in as right. opposed to, you know, the other guy was only three years younger, but that's fine. Um, how do you make sense of a a president that I think we can offer is rel has been successful? I, I agree with you. I think everything, any metric you want to talk about as far as the economy, like we're in far better shape than we were in 2020. But that's not landing on the perception of of a growing yeah. portion of Americans. How does, that, how does that make sense in your mind or like what's been your perception of what's going on with that? Well, I think the underlying issue is that we're really far out. Like we're 14 months out. If you look at polling 14 months out in 2011, Mitt Romney was leading Obama by an average of four or five points. And we know how that turned out. Now, Obama is a far more popular figure. He's a, he's a completely seminal figure, right, in democratic politics and, and in American history. Um, so I don't want to say it's apples to apples, um, but people are reacting to, I think, just a doom and gloom period. I think that a lot of that has to do with how news portrays things. No one ever leads with the good headline, right? That's just not something that happens. And I was remarking this. My other job, I work at Bustle Digital Group, heading up their research outfit. And we look a lot um, at the psyches and what's going on with Gen Z and millennial women. And you see this burning desire, especially amongst young people, to be told that something is going to be okay, right? Like that we're going to survive, right? That climate change isn't the end of the world, that we will get some gun safety legislation, those kinds of things. And they're not getting served that. They're getting served like, this is the worst X, fill in the blank, whatever it is. And I think that that's informing people. I also think that the White House has some incredible communicators, like Secretary Buttigieg, 
I think Jared Bernstein um, from the Economic Council's office has been wonderful and he's been around more. He came on Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream and it was kind of spelling it out. But in general, I think the messaging hasn't been fantastic. And you can't tell people they feel a way that they don't feel, right? You have to show them. And so part of that is letting Joe Biden get out there on the road more and talk about his accomplishments, go and visit all of these plants that are being created, all of the chips um, from the chip from the CHIPS Act um, to talk about what the infrastructure bill is doing, to go to those ribbon cuttings and make Mitch McConnell stand next to him and say, thank you, right? (laughs) Doing all of these things. And I think that he has been hidden far too much. Joe Biden has been making gaffes since he was elected. Are there more of them? Sure, he's 80 now. But net-net, when people see him, they like him. And I think that there was this moment last weekend, or I guess two weekends ago now, uh, Donald Trump was doing a rally where he said that you have to show ID to buy a loaf of bread that he fought. uh, He was, his opposition was Obama in 2016 and forgot that we already had World War II, right? Said something like we're heading into World War II. Those are all moments that would like break the internet if it was Joe Biden, but it's just stuff that we accept from that 77 year old. Like his thing is to ramble like a child. Joe Biden's thing is to slow down like a senior citizen. And I think that that is honestly what's hurting him the most, that his age is manifesting himself in a more traditional way that we're familiar with from grandparents or people in our lives. And that Trump is becoming even more childlike, more petulant. Like I have a 21 month year old daughter, not year old, just 21 months. I can see more of a connection to the kind of temper tantrums and things that Trump puts out there versus what's going on with Biden. And I think that that explains a lot of what's going on with the horse races being so close and the ABC Washington Post poll. Now they've had two outliers. And I know everyone loves to dunk on Nate Silver, but he still knows a thing or two. And he said, you know, kudos to them for putting the result out there. But at a certain point, are you going to examine your methodology if the other pollsters are getting it within the margin of error? And you're basically saying that millions of Democrats overnight unregistered as Democrats and became Republicans and decided to support someone who's been quad-dated. So uh, communication is key for all of this. um, But I really do think it's the perception of old versus young in terms of how they're aging that is affecting the race. Well, speaking of doom and gloom, as somebody who has a 21-month-old right now, as she's yelling downstairs, (laughs) you can't pick it up on audio. Oh, uh, I wanted to get my, into, mine yeah. just got taken out of here. Like literally, she was like <laughs> below my chair for a second. I was like, Excuse me. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we would have had another viral moment like that YouTube clip with the BBC. Oh, isn't it the best? It is the best. It is a really good age. Um, let's let's talk about something that's not a good age right now. Uh, Fifty-five-year-olds uh, like Speaker McCarthy, who's right now a doom and gloom government shutdown. We're looming as we're recording this episode. We've got a few days left before a potential shutdown. Nothing has been uh, signed yet in terms of the CR. So there is no extension right now. Um, Obviously, we heard Speaker McCarthy's comments last week about some members of the House just want to watch, you know, the House burn down, right? Which to quote Alfred, some men do want to watch the world burn. Um, What do you make of the government shutdown that we're heading to right now? How it will affect not only workers that are working for the federal government, but also this impeachment inquiry that we have, 
into President Biden and everything you just mentioned right now about the messaging standpoint of this, there isn't anything to impeach Joe Biden on right now, but they're looking for something to impeach him on. But we can't do it if we don't fund the government. So what do you make of the government shutdown right now, where we're heading to it and what comes out of all of this? So my understanding actually is that the investigations uh, continue unimpeded if the government shuts down. Um, in terms of how the funding works. And I know that that's something that like the Jim Jordans and the Jim Comers of the world are paying attention to. And it seems like a pretty silly one. And I'm not saying that there's ever a reason to shut down the government, but the things that they're fighting about, and it's, it's part of the nature of what the Republican caucus looks like now. And you saw that with Speaker McCarthy, I think it was like 13 votes maybe that it took for him to get elected. He had to make a lot of deals with a lot of people with very disparate ideologies. And it is, I think, a big advantage that Nancy Pelosi had, and a lot due to her hard work, that the Democratic caucus, despite having people who do see the world very differently, we always stayed in line, right? It was like, you you get it out, you say what you need to say, but we're going to come back to the fact that we're Democrats and we believe in certain things fundamentally. Republicans don't. And so I expect that they will have the shutdown. There were a bunch of them that were on, you know, doing their cable news hits over the weekend and said, yes, of course it's coming. And then I don't know, maybe it was Dan Bishop, but one of the Republican congressmen was giving an interview and he said, you know, we always get blamed every time we shut down the government. It's like, yeah, you always get you because you do it. We we will fund even if it is a 30 day continuing resolution. We will we will do anything to make sure that there aren't thousands of government employees who are going home without a paycheck. Um, I think it will backfire on them. I think that it was um, actually in the ABC Washington Post poll, one of the surprising results, it was like by a 20 point margin that people don't see merit in this impeachment inquiry. And it actually surprised me because I do work with a lot of people who believe in their soul that the Bidens are the Gotti family, like that it is a mafia empire over there and there are diamonds and there are, I mean, things that make your head spin. It's like an Ocean 15 movie or something like that. I don't even know a lot of the examples, um, but it's not penetrating people. And they're just sitting there saying like, well, what are you for? And that's always what elections are. And, and that's why, you know, Biden needs to get back to that slogan of finish the job, right? Like I had my four years, it, it's actually an eight year job. And that is really what Trump is running on as well. To say I had a great four years, COVID messed everything up at the end. I need another four years for it. But Republicans, and especially now that a lot of the redistricting has been pulled apart, um, that they have kind of gerrymandered through, um, it's not looking great, especially if you add a shutdown to all of this and then, you know, spending six months on an impeachment inquiry that obviously is not going to even make it through the Senate. And I understand Trump was never convicted by the Democratic Senate, um, but it was very clear that the information they were gleaning out of the impeachment was resonating with people. And no one is walking around saying, I know something about the Bidens now that I didn't know that fundamentally changes how I feel about the first family in terms of being able to govern. Jessica, speaking of Trump, as we go into the second debate, full disclosure, I don't think anything comes out of Wednesday. Like, it doesn't seem like anyone in the Republican Party mm -hmm. has any vision. That's a bias. People can come after me on Twitter all the time, and they do. But Jessica, as we go into the second debate, what seems to be, you know, other than trying to play for second, it seems like. Right. Like, what seems to be the conversation now? Because the first debate seemed to be like Vivek's coming out party, and then 
you know, grand opening, grand closing, as we saw from articles and data shortly thereafter. But as we come upon the second debate, like where do you stand in terms of what you're listening for? Do you think there'll be any particular nuggets that sort of stand at that may shake the current perpet- the current perpetual perception, like the alliteration there, that Trump is going to you know run away with the nomination? So yes, to the everyone vying for second place. I think there are a lot of old school Republican dollars that are up for grabs. And that's really what I think that they're vying for. So Tim Scott is sitting there with a $40 million war chest and he's a crap candidate, right? Like people thought that he would be a lot better, that he would resonate with a lot more people. Um, And it appeared like from the first debate, my winner was Nikki Haley. Um, I mean, Chris Christie has my soul as a New Yorker. Anyway, I have a lot of friends in New Jersey, Democrats who are okay to vote for him. And I think that the emphasis on being able to govern a blue state is something that we really need at this particular moment, because Democrats are looking and moderate Republicans and independents. The Joe Biden coalition wants to go to sleep on election night if it hasn't been called, not having a panic attack, right? And we've kind of forgotten what that feels like. Like I didn't want Mitt Romney to win in 2012, but I knew that the country wasn't going to explode the next day if he was coming into office or January 20th. Um, So I think that they're vying for those dollars. Like you saw Ken Griffin, um, who runs Citadel, one of the biggest hedge funds in the country, he had given a lot of money to DeSantis and he gave an interview with CNBC where he said, I'm not giving. Like these guys are too extreme. I haven't seen someone that really makes me think you could actually win a general election or govern in a way that I think is acceptable for the widest uh, majority of people. So dollars, I think, matters. The viral moments, right? Because you just want to keep going. The, ne- the debate after that will be November 8th. Um, and it is, it's not fully focused on the economy, um, but there will be an economic bent to a lot of the questions. Um, and it'd be nice to see that because that is still the most important issue to the American public. And you rattled off all those stats about how people think, you know, we're the right track, wrong track, that they're not better off, wages aren't going up, et cetera. So I think that'll be really important. Dana Perino, who co-hosts The Five um, and is also the host of America's Newsroom over on Fox, is one of the moderators with Stuart Barney. And Dana has been preparing like mad. She's the most prepared woman in America for these things. Um, And she has some really great ideas about how we can link together all of these seemingly disparate issues to get a broader vision um, for America and the future of America that just isn't, Joe Biden has done a terrible job. That's really all that I heard, um, except for really from Nikki Haley at the first debate. It was just all like Joe Biden's crap. And it's like, yeah, everyone everyone there agrees with that. that sure. Like what you got beyond that. Um, and the kind of, I don't know what the, right term is for it like the unknown is will trump be convicted of something by the time that voting begins and if jack smith gets his jan was a january 2nd 2024 date odds are that he will be convicted of something now i'm not saying it's going to be in jail or what i have no idea how any of that is going to play out but if you look at the polling it's consistent that amongst republican voters it's that if he's convicted of something they're not supporting him. It's one thing to have an indictment out there, the air of guilt, but if a jury finds him guilty, that changes how they feel about it because it opens all these questions. Like, how does one govern from prison? Biden is not gonna pardon him. Maybe he commutes his sentence on the federal level. That doesn't help him in Georgia. 
um, where there are, was it, 19 counts are a part of the Georgia indictment, or there are 19 co-defendants. It's like insane that you have to remember all this stuff. Anyway, um, I think that we're getting to a moment also where there's going to be more opportunity for these candidates to talk about Trump and to talk about the future of the Republican Party and if there is to be one. And no one can deny that they have electorally suffered as a result of this. And I do wonder how many think, would it have been worth it just to have lost in 2016 and maybe he goes away or goes away to a certain degree and then you start anew in 2020, right? Like you have Hillary, who was like four years, she'd have COVID too, right? Like that wasn't something that Trump invented. And you run against her and you say, I would have managed this better, X, Y, and Z reasons. And maybe you get in our 2024, that, that's it. But like the Senate's been gone for years because of him. Congress has a slim majority. He's stealing all of their money. Everyone who sends in money to donate to his funds. Like You mean the Trump NFT is not real? I, I got I the coins to too, to and the trading uh, cards. Yeah. What are you telling me? I thought that's what I was invited on to talk about. Um, <laughs> how your girls' five twenty nines are actually going to completely crash. Um, yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, Nick, you can sell high on that NFT now if you want. Um, you know, but you know, Jess, you've been great, by the way. And before we let you go, um, I've gotten this recently as somebody who's been behind the camera at Fox News and in front of the camera recently on a Fox News Live panel. Um, I get this a lot where I got a text message from somebody and they said, oh, hey, Mr. Fox News. And I was like, you're not even going to watch the segment. No, I'm not because it's Fox yeah. News. And I said, well, that's part of the problem, because you didn't even listen to what I said in terms of the first GOP debate. Um, as somebody who's on the network regularly, who draws the ire of people across social media platforms, we've had so many different folks on here from different networks. Mehdi Hassan, Jake Tapper have all been on here talking about yep. platforms and the ire they get. You're on the network that has a certain connotation associated with it, specifically in the primetime programming. How do you make sense of talking to folks about why they should watch your network, your programming? And then how do you combat your getting your message out there and the Democratic message specifically on, on shows that have this certain association with being conservative media, right? Like, so how do you balance the two? How do you get somebody that's an independent or maybe that's a democratic leaning voice that just doesn't want to watch Fox news because of the association. And you say, no, but watch the segment, listen to what we talked about. You just mentioned about Dana, Dana Perino, who I happen to know. I know she's very well prepared, a former Bush speechwriter, yeah. and people don't know the level of preparation that goes into that. And one of the things I do on the show is, Media literacy, right? These are the times you can watch and these are the people you can trust because this is the preparation that goes into it. Take us inside a little bit of how Jessica Tarlov gets ready for going on the five and then speaks to people out there in her everyday life that are like, why are you on that? Why are you doing this? Yeah, so um, I like to be prepared. So my background is in academia and research and polling. I take it very seriously. Um, to be numbers-based um, is something that I think is helpful for anybody, but especially for women in this kind of media culture where there's a lot of like, you know, the facts don't care about your feelings or whatever that Trump shirt uh, said. Well, if you have numbers, it's pretty hard to push back against. And I know you can pull apart a statistic however you want, but um, I've had a lot of time preparing um, to make sure that for every block of the show, and yeah, we do have some fun ones, like I'm gonna talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, for sure. Um, but that's what America wants, especially at five o'clock. And it's a nice 
round table show that way. Um, they always call it in the articles, the breezy round table show, but the first couple of blocks are serious, right? They're gonna be about the government shutdown and impeachment inquiry, et cetera. Um, so for Democrats being prepared is a huge piece of the puzzle, um, but also relying on the way that media gets disseminated now. It doesn't have to be like turn on Fox News and sit there all day and watch it, but pay attention to what's circulating. And that's how you're going to find out the content of what's really going on. There were, like, there were so many people that I saw bowled over that Brett Baer held Trump's feet to the fire. Remember when he read that litany of uh, people who had left the Trump administration and then he had said that they were the finest people and then he said they were the worst people or pointing out to him that Mary Alice Johnson, uh, the grandmother, the drug dealing grandmother that Kim Kardashian um, was petitioning to get uh, out of jail and Trump, it was one of his big achievements as part of criminal justice reform that he got her out and Brett pointed out, I thought very gingerly even that under his policies, that would never happen, what he was proposing. Um, that's going on all the time. Like Brett is doing that kind of journalism every day at six o'clock. You're just choosing not to pay attention to it unless you see a clip from one of the big ones like ASIN or ACYN, however you pronounce it, super nice guy um, that watches cable news all day or an Aaron Rupar, what goes up on media. And I think that that's honestly how most Democrats or liberal leaning people have found out about me and what's been going on on the five and that there's pushback um, there. We do happen to have the highest viewership of Democrats. So 20% of our viewers are Dems uh, self-reported, um, which is pretty cool. And that makes me really happy. Um, but one of the main arguments that I think is most important about why Democrats should show up on Fox is that the Joe Biden coalition doesn't exist without Fox viewers, right? Like this isn't an Obama election where the media ecosystems aren't mixed. The Biden coalition is full of never Trump Republicans, independents and Democrats. And if you think that never Trump Republicans and independents are watching Nicole Wallace at the same level that they have Fox News on in the background, you're just selling yourself a bridge to nowhere or whatever the right way to say that is. Um, and I'm not talking about just like the Steve Schmitz of the world. I'm talking about like the normal, like a suburban Georgia voter, right? Like someone that would be really excited if Brian Kemp was running, but is stuck with what's going on now. Um, so that's another reason that I think you should pay attention. And also like, why not speak to people who disagree with you? I never understood. And, and granted, I have been at Fox basically my entire TV career. It's the ecosystem I know. I love working there. I have great friends and it's been a wonderful place to be employed. But like, why wouldn't you want to like mix it up and actually have a bit of a, a fight or at least a little tussle with somebody instead of everyone just sitting around and it's different denominations of, oh, I agree with what you said. I agree with what you said. You know, that's not how the country is. The country is what you see in the horse race, right? 46, 46, 45, 45, 46, 44, whatever. You know, like they're not in agreement. And you have the opportunity also as a Democrat to advocate for our core values in a way that I think is really meaningful. Like it was a very tough day when the Dobbs decision came down, but I'm thrilled that my face is out there representing the pro-choice argument that I'm talking about the women who are going to be bleeding out in hospital rooms waiting for a doctor to help them, the sepsis, the 
the rape victim, remember in Ohio, the 10 year old who they said it was a made up story. And then lo and behold, she's real. <laughs> she had to go to Indiana to get reproductive health care. I'm proud to have my face and my voice attached to those kinds of stories. Um, and so that's part of why it's really meaningful for me. And I think that things are different also, that people look at it as if Fox hasn't evolved and that it's exactly the same recipe that it was in 1996 when it was created. And it's not. There are a lot of young faces. There are people like Kat Tim, um, who's a libertarian. She's the co-host of Gutfeld, um, which is the highest rated uh, late night show. And she's out there talking about drug legalization and like making sex work legal and all of these very modern things that Democrats certainly believe in. And people are just dismissive. Oh, well, you know, it's on there. So I, I can't engage. Why? It's a contest of ideas, not contest of channels, right? You might find something that really speaks to you, or at least you could get excited, right? When Pete Buttigieg does one of his amazing esoteric rants and it's like, well, actually it's blah, 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 blah. And that's a lot more fun when he's talking to someone who disagrees with him than if he's sitting down and having a conversation with someone who word for word agrees with everything. Let me tell you something, folks. Set your DVRs, 5 p.m. weekdays. <laughs> co-host of The Five, Jessica Tarlov. Can't thank you enough for hopping on the program with us. Continue success to you. Please stay safe. It was so great to be with you guys. Um, and I hope that we can talk again. This episode of the podcast is presented by the good folks over at Razu. Razu is a brand new networking and collaborating service for artists in the music industry, providing music creators the collaborative tools to create and enhance songs virtually. They give music creators the freedom to create music with artists across the world, eliminating the boundaries that artists face when creating their music. If you want to find out more about Razu, head to Razu.io or click the link in our show notes. All right. Our thank yous there to Jessica Tarlov, co-host of The Five. You can check it out on Fox News weekdays at five o'clock, obviously, appropriately titled. Um, that's our show, Nick. But uh, before we hop off here. Anything you wanted to add there about uh, what Jessica talked about, uh, what we talked about in the first segment with Senator Menendez? I thought Jessica was great, by the way. And there's some of the insight, like she said, um, that I took away from our conversation was really about uh, why I urge people to uh, watch different things and associate, I mean, um, kind of dive into different pieces of content from different outlets because there are voices like Jessica that exist in other spaces that you wouldn't normally think of and vice versa. Right. And so you do need to listen to other things. Uh, but what you're taking from all of those are the facts and commonalities about what we're talking about, like what we talked about in the first segment with Senator Menendez and the facts of the case. Right. There, there's bribery charges. And he recently got a hung jury from another bribery charge. Funny enough. So would you make of the conversation with Jessica on what we talked about with Senator Menendez overall? Yeah, I think with Jessica, you know, similar to the point you've been driving home about, it's not necessarily just about Fox News, but just being more conscious of, you know, the different outlets where we consume news from. And like many people, I, I tend to be averse to to Fox News because not just of the reputation they have, but the people they tend to really accentuate, you know, the people that you see whose faces are on, you know, billboards and the subways and places like that. But you know, what Jessica does a great job of is is really kind of bring folks like me over to recognizing that there are 
I don't want to say good people to network. I mean, I think Jessica is, is great people, actually. But, you know, people who are bringing up alternative perspectives and that it's important that on some of these programs now off camera, she mentioned some specific people who are just more genuinely human that we give credit for. And that was an offline conversation. So I'll just let folks you know pay more attention to Fox News and, and really see who these you know folks are that. Yeah, we've seen some accentuated personalities, but behind the camera are genuinely good people. And I appreciate the story she shared about that. But it certainly won me over. It certainly got me thinking about paying more attention to the five and other programs where there are alternative voices that are bringing in, you know, some different perspectives. I mean, obviously, we've gotten to know Marie here and she's a she's a friend, not just to the show, but to us. Um, But for her, Jessica, I think there's folks who've come on who, who represent really what you know, what good quality reporting is at, at the network and then others too, but it's just important to be discerning. So I was appreciative for, for Jessica really winning me over like that. Yeah. Alternate voices, not alternate facts, folks. We leave it right there. You can always listen to alternate voices, but you can't alternate the facts. Uh, you want to check out the video portion of our interview with Jessica, head over to our YouTube channel, type in, can we please talk podcast? We should pop right up, hit subscribe while you're there. Audio podcast platforms, you know, by now, Apple, Spotify, Google, Shout out to everybody listens to us over on Good Pods. You can check us out as well on YouTube Music if you've got the app. If you don't, download it and subscribe to our program over on YouTube Music. Shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. And we can't do it without each and every one of you that listens into this program. As always, I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. We'll see everybody next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.